continuing on this morning in Joshua. Last week we were in chapter 3 and we saw God's people preparing to cross the Jordan and, and looking at the steps that they took to prepare. Some pretty solid and, and foundational things that, that you and I can even benefit from. And the chapter closed with God's people beginning to cross the river. And so this week in chapter 4, we're going to see them all the way through to the other side. And the Lord, through Joshua, gives them some really important instructions along the way. And so as I was studying this week, obviously thinking very deeply about the text, had on my desk lots of commentaries and lexical aids and grammatical helps and uh, all kinds of things. And I have these out on my desk so that when folks poke their head in my office throughout the week, it looks like I know what I'm doing. Because really what I was thinking about this week is a movie, uh, Fifty First Dates. Have you seen this movie? Uh, Adam Sandler and, and Drew Barrymore. I think it's like from 2004. Adam Sandler's character starts to fall for Drew Barrymore's character. And there's chemistry and they hit it off. And he thinks he's falling in love. Until the next day when he sees her again and she has no idea who he is. Zero recollection. And so come to find out, this girl has had a, a, an accident, suffered head trauma, and she's got this fictitious condition in the movie uh, where every night when she goes to sleep, she forgets everything since the accident. And so needless to say, her forgetfulness is quite the problem in the movie, especially as it relates to this new developing relationship with Adam Sandler's character. Because every single day, he has to start from square one. As if she doesn't know who he is, as if they don't have a history together, as if she doesn't already know that, hey, he's a good guy and, and he takes good care of me. So every day, he has to win her over again. And I thought about this movie in light of this passage because it's often a sad parallel with our relationship with the Lord. Our forgetfulness is a problem. When we face uncertainty or difficulty, when the worry and the anxiety set in, it's like we're Drew Barrymore's character. And we're waking up as if we don't even know the Lord. As if we don't have a history with Him. As if we haven't already found out that he's a good God and he takes good care of us. And it's like he has to start all over again, earning our trust. And so as we dig into chapter 4 today, we're going to find that the Lord has commanded of his people a very powerful antidote to our forgetfulness. Now the passage is a little long, so if you're not able to stand, that is okay. But if you are, please stand. And let's read Joshua chapter 4. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, 
whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. For the priest bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste. And then I'm jumping down to verse 15. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priest bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, What do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. May God add his blessing to the reading and the teaching of his inspired, inerrant, infallible, and authoritative word. Let's pray together. The Father, as always, we come in need, and as always, we come to a kind Father who doesn't despise us for our need, but graciously gives us what we ask for. And so we ask this morning for help. Would you open our eyes? Would you unstop our ears? Would you help us this morning particularly as it relates to our forgetfulness? We pray these things in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Please be seated. Y'all, forgetfulness is a huge hindrance to our relationship with the Lord. But as is often the case, as is always the case, in His graciousness, He's willing and ready to help our weakness. And so we see in our text today that He's doing so uh, rather proactively. He wants His people to remember. So I've got an outline for you in the worship folder. When it comes to our remembering Four things for us to consider. The the what of our remembering. What is it that we need to remember? How is it that we should go about remembering? How did we see the Israelites do it here? Why? 
What are, what are the reasons and, and the purposes for our remembering? And then finally, a little bit about the timing, a little bit about the when. All right, so first with the what. What are we to remember? Well, the great and the mighty acts of the Lord on our behalf. His faithfulness to His people. The, the passage is, is bookended with this. We see both in, in verse 1 uh, and then down in verse 23. We need to remember passing over the Jordan. We need to remember how the Lord your God dried up the waters. Remembering what a significant work of the Lord this was. That He promised that He would do it. That He did it. And we even see in verse 23... We're reminded that this wasn't the first time that he did it. He did it again. There's a a pattern here of his saving grace and his faithfulness. And this is what we're called to remember. It's no accident at all that in verse 19 of our passage today, we have a date. We have the specific date of this crossing, right? The tenth day of the first month. Last week I encouraged you in light of talking about the scarlet cord a little bit. Go back to Exodus 12. Look at the Passover. Look at what God did there to save and to rescue His people. And there's a date there. And it's no accident that the people were told to go prepare a Passover lamb on the tenth day of the first month. It's not an accident that that's the day that they crossed the Jordan River. God wants us to remember what He's done in the past. God wants us to see this pattern. God wants us to see that this miraculous work, and it was a miracle crossing the Jordan with the water stopped up, but He ties that miraculous work to at the time what had been the greatest working of God for His people in the crossing of the Red Sea, in deliverance from slavery in Egypt. Right, so here's this thing today that you need to remember, and he's tying it back to the greatest thing ever that you also need to keep remembering, how they were delivered out of slavery, how they took shelter under the blood of the Lamb. And so then as Christians, we need to follow that same pattern too. Whatever wonderful working it is that God has done, in whatever way that He's shown His his saving grace and His faithfulness, that we might tie that back to the greatest thing that He's ever done for us. How He's delivered us from slavery to sin and to death when we took shelter under the blood of the Lamb, His very Son. So there's this pattern here. We're remembering the great and mighty things that He's done. And in doing so, we're tying them back to the greatest the greatest and the mightiest thing that He's ever done on our behalf. That's the what of our remembering. Now the how. And here's where the stones come in. Uh, verses 5 and 6. Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark. And take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of tribes of people. So that's 12 men each picking up a stone, 12 stones. 
See, God knows our weakness, right? He knows that we are prone to forget. He knows that this is a problem for his people. And he knows that a visual aid will help. Even something as simple as a pile of rocks. And so he commands these 12 stones to be gathered, taken from the riverbed of this Jordan, previously inaccessible. But now these rocks, these stones are uncovered and make them into a memorial. Now, if you followed along carefully as I read the chapter, it seems that we've got a little bit of a rough place in the text. Is there one memorial of 12 stones or are there two? Because the stones get mentioned several times and most of the mentions indicate that they're set up across the river. Right? But verse 9 throws us a little hitch because it says Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan. All right? Um, so most of the commentaries decorating my desk uh, go with, yeah, there was just one memorial. There's one pile of rocks that was set up on, across the river. And so this middle ground could have been a couple of things. Maybe, maybe Joshua had sort of pre-gathered and selected these stones and, and put them there. And this is what they're going to pick up and take to the other side. That's possible when you read back through it that way. Or perhaps this middle location was just a resting spot where they set them down in the middle, then picked them back up again and went. All right. But a few of the commentaries suggested that there were, in fact, two different memorials. And the conversation could have gone something like this. Uh, when the memorial on the riverbank is pointed out, hey, what are these stones here for? And it's described, well, this is what happened. And guess what? There's another set just like them that you can't see at the bottom of the river. All right? Either of those work. Pick which one you like best and go with it. Because it doesn't really matter in the end if there's one pile of rocks or two pile of rocks, right? The point is that we remember, right? The point of this is that we remember. God's people need to remember his faithfulness. When he saves them again, we've got to remember in some tangible way, in some purposeful way, in some meaningful way. And here's where I wrestled a little bit because I wanted to come up with some real specific applications for you and say, this is the type of thing that you should do when when God acts mightily on your behalf, right? Go pick up some rocks. Or or we saw even from Genesis 21, right? Abraham planted a tree, right? Or, you know, millennials might go get a tattoo to remember God's faith. You know, I don't know what it's going to be for you. But the point is some type of purposeful, deliberate, thoughtful remembrance of what God's done for you. You'll have to let the Spirit lead you to the the exact application there. Now, why is this so important? What's the purpose in our remembering? What are the reasons for our remembering? And the text highlights three. The first uh, we see uh, in a couple of places. We see it in verse 6, but then also later in, in... verse uh, 21 or 22. So we've got a sign here. We've got a sign that's been created by stacking these rocks in some purposeful way. And when they see it, our kids are going to want to know what it means. Right? And you're, we're familiar with this already, right? Mommy, why are you drinking the juice out of that little cup? Mommy, what are those little 
pieces of bread for? I say mommy because Shay has to deal with these questions. I don't have to deal with them because I'm up here. right? Why can't I have any? When can I have some? What does it mean? Right? Because the table is, is a sign. It's not just a sign, but it is a sign. It, it's a visual aid that God's given us to help us. What are these rocks here for? What's the purpose of these rocks? What do they mean? And then we have the privilege of telling our kids, God's a great God. God's been so faithful to your mom and to your dad. And so this thing that you've asked about, right? let me tell you, we were in need and God showed up again. Here was our problem and, and God was so good and he was so kind and he was faithful and he showed up again. And so we've got this great opportunity to pass it on to our kids. right? And that's always been God's plan. Even if you look at Deuteronomy 6 maybe this afternoon and the plan that, that we would pass on God's word to our kids, that we're, it's on our wrist, it's everywhere, it's on, we're writing it on the door frames of our house so that we can pass it on to our kids. And it's an amazing and a tremendous privilege. But folks, we've got to remember first for ourselves if there's going to be anything to pass on to our kids. We've got to remember. We've got to be purposeful about this and deliberate about this. We've got to see him and remember him as faithful in order to recount his faithfulness to our kids. So that's the first one. That's a big one is for our kids. The second reason for our remembering uh, comes at the end of verse 7 and also at the end of verse uh, 24. All right, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And then it's mentioned again at the end of verse 24, right? It talks about all the peoples of the earth may know. But then that second phrase, that you may fear the Lord, your God, forever. That we might fear God forever. And so, of course, this is not dread. This is not terror. This is not being afraid of God, but being in awe of God. Look how powerfully He provided protected, rescued. And so this fear is a worshipful response. You know, and I really like this image here too. I think this is helpful for us as a church because there are 12 individual stones, 12 men each picking up a stone, carrying them across and making a single memorial out of it. It's kind of how the life of the individual works when it's plugged into the body. Right? When I remember, when I remember the Lord's faithfulness to me, and I do it in the context of the congregation, we all benefit. Right? We're all reminded, we're all encouraged, we're all strengthened in our faith. Because I've seen how the Lord showed up in your life again, and I'm reminded of how He's shown up in mine. And so I love this picture of, of the individual plugged into the congregation of God's people as a whole. And so this is number, number two. First is our kids. Second is that God's people would come to fear Him more, would come to trust Him more deeply. And there's a third reason. It's the first part of verse 24. Right? And this is, in fact, the other type of fear. Right? This is, in fact, 
dread and terror and being afraid that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is is mighty. As, As God's people remember and recount what he's done, the watching world picks up on it, right? This is what happened with with Rahab and the Canaanites. This is what we had reported in chapter 2 when Rahab said, oh, the people of the land are terrified because they've heard what your God has done. They've heard what the God of heaven and earth has done for his people and they are terrified. But here's the beautiful thing. Some of those terrified people become like Rahab and it is the terror and the dread of seeing the mighty hand of God at work for His people that the Lord actually uses to draw people to Himself. He drew Rahab to Himself partly through God's people remembering and recounting the great things that He'd done. It strikes terror for some. God uses it to draw others to Himself. So here's our three reasons. Our, our kids, right? that the whole congregation of God's people would benefit and that the watching world, that the lost would see. Right? Notice this whole list, y'all. It is so others-focused. Right? So, so don't be confused and think, well, if I don't remember, you know, that'll be bad for me. You know, I'll be at a loss if I don't remember the mighty acts of the Lord. But it ain't all about you. Right? And if you don't remember, it will affect you, but it'll have a broader impact too. It'll have a broader impact too. Let's talk a little bit about the timing of our remembering. Usually each week, there's something about the text that really hits home for me personally. And and this was it for me. I I was struck by the fact that the gathering of the stones happened in the middle of the crossing. Before they had actually made it safely to the other side. Look at verse 8. People of Israel did just as they were commanded, took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan. So as far as the timing goes, as far as the wind, notice that God has commanded them to prepare for the remembering while they're still in the middle of the thing that's going to need to be remembered. Y'all, and that struck me. Because try to put yourself in the place of these people. right? They've got to be a little freaked out crossing this river. Right? knowing that somewhere up near the city of Adam, wherever that is, there's a big pile of water. At any minute, will it let loose? Will it let loose while I'm in the middle of the river? Right? And so they weren't lollygagging around. They weren't saying, oh, this is cool. In verse 10 says, they crossed in haste. <laughs> they were running. Like, this is really cool that the water is piled up up there. 
I'm getting across as fast as I can. Preparing for the remembering, even when you're in the middle. I found myself recently preparing for the remembering while being in the middle. Obviously, our family is very much in the middle right now. Okay? We're crossing our river, if you will. The river of the church's pastoral transition and, and church. And I find myself, even in the middle, preparing, daydreaming, if you will, on how I'm going to remember the Lord's faithfulness once we're on the other side. I'm still asked from time to time, so I'll take the opportunity here. I'm asked from time to time, um, are you a candidate? Have you applied? Are, are, you, are you interested? Do you want to be? Yes, yes, and yes. Right? Our, our hearts are here. Right? We love you. We love this church. We even love Orangeburg. Right? Warts and all. And we feel that we're very much called to be here. And so here's the thing. I find myself feeling a little weird preparing for the remembering while I'm still in the middle. Like it seems kind of presumptuous. Because, of course, we don't know, right? We don't know what the Lord's will is. We know what our desires are. But here's what we do know. Even while we're in the middle, we know and we're reminded that the Lord's in control. The Lord is in absolute control of this thing, just like it's crystal clear in, his, in this passage. He was in control of this river crossing, right? If you think back to last week, when the first big toe of the first priest hits the water, whoosh, and then we saw in verse 18, as soon as the last sole of the foot of the last priest exits the riverbed, the Lord's in control of this thing. Right? And so we don't know necessarily what is on the other side of our river, but we do know he's in control, and we know that he's faithful. Right? We've tasted and we've seen his goodness time and time again. And I can prepare even now to celebrate his faithfulness. Because regardless of the outcome, he is faithful. It's who he is. I was in a, a conversation with someone recently going through a trial, a big trial. And they had been, been praying for a specific outcome, a specific resolution to this trial. And lo and behold, the thing that they prayed for happened. And so this person remarked to me about, oh, how faithful God is. And I had to stop myself in that moment because I wasn't quite sure if they were ready to hear what I most wanted to tell them in that moment because I wanted to say you know what 
God would have still been faithful even if you didn't get your preferred outcome. He absolutely would have been faithful. And so God's going to be faithful if he allows us and gives us our heart's desires to stay here with you. He'll be faithful if he moves us to another call. He'll even be faithful, though this is not specifically the kind of faithfulness we're hoping to experience. He will be faithful if we enter into a long season of being without a call, a long season of of wondering and waiting. He'll still be faithful. He'll still be faithful. We've got to remember. We've got to remember. We've got to remember, especially in the middle of whatever it is. We don't have to wait for the outcome. We've got to remember. We've got to remember so our kids will know. We've got to remember so that the church as a whole will benefit. And we've got to remember for the benefit of the watching world. Because God's going to move in some of their hearts and He's going to draw them to Himself through our remembering. Let's pray. Oh God, You've given us so much to remember. God, help us to not be like the movie character who woke up every morning as if we didn't know You, as if we didn't have history with You, as if we hadn't already tasted and seen again and again and again Your goodness and Your faithfulness. Oh God, let let us not be that man or that woman. Help us to be purposeful in our remembering, in our recounting to one another, in our recounting to our children, and our recounting to our lost friends and relatives to the end that you would be feared, that you would be praised, that you would be worshipped forever and ever because you are worthy. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand?